this morning, as we, before we get into the Word, I just want to highlight, it is Missions Sunday, uh, where we receive uh, offerings for our partners. We do that all through the month, and because of your faithfulness, uh, we are able to support many, many partners, both uh, locally and all around the world. And uh, we will do that at the end of service. There will be separate giving there. You can also do that online. Thank you for your faithfulness in doing that and allowing us to really see God's work go all over the world. also want to announce that this is the beginning of uh, December, and we always choose in December to uh, do some extravagant giving, meaning we give above and beyond what we've been uh, giving already in terms of uh, our missions giving or even our 10%. And it's just an opportunity, not out of compulsion, not out of guilt, not out of hey, the pastor told us to do this, but just to take some money and put our money where our mouth is or where our heart is, really, into some uh, partners and get them over. So we choose three different projects, uh, one in-house, one local, and uh, one that's international. And this year, uh, the in-house one is going to be our children's ministry. And we're going to use, this is kind of like a dreaming seeding year that we're going to take the funds that we have and seed into. Uh, Rebecca Hannon, who leads our kids, really has a dream of teaching children how to lead worship from a young age, and so she wants to create a space, almost like a little mini studio space where they can come in and practice the craft of worship leading so that by the time they get to 10, 12, uh, 13 years old, they're able to come and lead us in worship. So I think that is a phenomenal, worthy thing. We also want to seed into the Women's Home for Teen Challenge, uh, the dream that God has given Dave and Kitty Benyak, and so uh, one-third of the giving is gonna go to seed that, uh, that project here. Uh, through New Covenant, and then also our international project is going to go to EMI, which is Engineering Ministries International. They have an incredible uh, setup where they don't uh, raise money and help the dirty poor people around the world. They empower the people around the world to know their God-given gifts, and they have set up a system where they, they, they do engineering ministry and architectural ministry all over the world, and they hire locals to do that work and what they do is the locals get paid because the churches and the groups that they're working with give them small amounts of money. And that's how they're able to raise their funds. So they're not being just funded by people from America making sure that that happens. But here's what happened. Because they set up a good system, when all of their work dried up, they weren't able to get paid. And so EMI said, in this time, we want to make sure that our, our associates all around the world, not, not Americans working all over the world, but associates that are from the countries where they work, are paid through this pandemic, and they've been able to do that. So we're going to take some of our funds and give that to them to make sure that their people that are on the ground doing the work, that are actually really literally doing the work right now, uh, can stay in that work and do what God's called them to do. So if you want to be a part of that, you fr- feel free to do it. No compulsion. It's just an opportunity that we take every year uh, to bless people and put them above and beyond. Sound good? Amazing. All right, so uh, it was great to have Chris here this morning, uh, especially just to kind of do something a little bit different, just one guy and his guitar a little bit pared down. It's like, it's like the opposite of the Christmas cantata, right? Like the exact opposite of the Christmas cantata. And I don't know about you, and I preach about this before, and everybody, some people look forward to my Christmas sermons because they want to hear about how much a Grinch or a Scrooge or how much Christmas, I, I hate Christmas. But here's the thing, Christmas can be overwhelming for some people, can it? I mean, like... Like, if you watch the Hallmark movies, you think that everybody has an unlimited budget for decorations, right? Like, who knew you could put that much stuff into one room? But there's a lot of reasons why Christmas time can be overwhelming for people. Maybe it's past hurt, maybe it's regrets, maybe it's the financial strain of what's expected of them and what, what we do during Christmas time. Maybe it's a loss that you're experiencing. You know, in this year, uh, you've lost someone, and so Christmas is not the same. Or maybe uh, it's been a few years, but it's still not the same. For some of us, it's just the stuff 
that, of Christmas that's overwhelming. Parties, gifts, expectations, food everywhere. Like you're trying to eat healthy and all of a sudden there's 45 different cookies and they're all your favorite. It just, it can be very overwhelming. And it's not just Christmas. I mean, the truth is this. We can be overwhelmed all the time. For some of us, it's because of the pandemic, economic job uncertainty, maybe relational upheaval, a lack of relationships or fractured relationships. Or honestly, sometimes we're just overwhelmed because we have been living in a season disconnected from God. Maybe we're disconnected from him because of sin that we've chosen to engage in. Uh, Maybe we've walked away from the Lord. Maybe we've forgotten who he is and who who we are in him. Maybe we've just ignored relationship with him for a while. All this kind of sets us up to the common human experience of being overwhelmed. But here's the truth. Being overwhelmed is a part of the human experience, but it's not, the, it's not God's intended normal. God hasn't intended for you and I to live in an overwhelmed state. And so I want to look at the, the, this, that this morning briefly, if we could, in the next few minutes. If you turn with me in your Bibles to Samuel chapter 16, we have this account of King Saul being overwhelmed. Here's what it says. Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul... And the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Verse 15, some of Saul's servants said to him, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp. Whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you, he will play soothing music and you will soon be well again. All right, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. That's why we brought Chris in, because I'm grumpy and we needed somebody who was excellent at playing to soothe my spirit and I, I feel sued. No, that's, that's just a joke. All right, Saul said, find someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. And not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He's also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send me your son David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread and a wineskin full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer. And when Saul sent word to Jesse, asking, please let David remain in my service, for I am very pleased with him. In verse 23, and whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. God, as we look at Scripture this morning, as we are encountered with you and what you have to say about who we are and who you are, God, I pray that we would, we pr- I pray that we would all be transformed more and more into your image, that we would see, God, that you have called us and taken those things that are unmighty and made them mighty in us, and you give us mighty and powerful tools to see your kingdom move forward, not only in our lives, but in the lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen. This scripture talks about David being a mighty man. If you look at verse 18, it says that David was a mighty man or a brave warrior, a gibor hail. We've been talking uh, through a series called Mighty where we're looking at how the, God's mighty people with God's mighty tools see mighty kingdom results. Or another way to say it is this. God takes those things that don't look so mighty and he gives, he takes, he gives them an assignment that doesn't look very mighty And he still achieves mighty results for the kingdom. That's what we're going to see here today. David is called a mighty warrior, but David was not only mighty in battle, he was also mighty in spirit. In his day, he was known for being uh, very, very good in battle, being brave and strong and being able to lead other people uh, for his success in battle. But he was also known for his powerful and unashamed worship. 
In fact, if you think about the, the account of David and Goliath, we think of it as a military account, you know, a David uh, small military versus Goliath, a giant powerful military, and there's this clash, and God uses something that's not so mighty to defeat something that we think of as mighty. But I don't think, it, I don't think of it primarily as a battle of military might. It's actually a battle of worship. If you look at the scripture, you will see that Goliath comes to the people of Israel, and when David comes out to him, he's not only defying Israel and defying the armies of Israel, but he, the Bible says he starts to curse David in the name of his gods. And David, if you look at the words that David says to the Goliath, he says, listen, you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. I'm going to cut your head off. And he says, all the, all the, everyone will know that there's a God in Israel and that he's a God that saves his people. It was literally a war of worship. David was not just a mighty man in power, but he was a mighty man with his words and a mighty man in his spirit because he had cultivated a heart that was full of the worship of the Lord. That's why we have Psalms that are recorded that David wrote. He knew who he was, he knew who God was, he gave a melody to it because he was a musician, but he also gave words to it so that he could worship the Lord that way. And so we see in the scripture that the spirit of God has left Saul and the, the, it left him open to a tormenting spirit and the results were depression and fear in his life. He was overwhelmed. And his, uh, his advisors came to him and said, listen, you need some soothing music. Have you ever had one of those days where you just need, like you need your song? Right, you, you just, I need that song to play, I need some soothing music, I don't know what your go-to is, you know, maybe it's uh, Hill Songs, maybe it's uh, Maverick City Music, maybe it's, I don't know, Frank Sinatra, I don't know what your deal is, but like you, you, you just need your music to like take a breath, and they said, his advisor said, you just need some music to soothe you, but what's really interesting is it's not just soothing music, it's actually powerful music, it's the difference between what the scripture says is he would feel better and the tormenting spirit would leave. See, there wasn't just a, a spirit or an emotional thing going on here. There was a spiritual thing going on here. He would feel better, but the advisors who didn't see what was going on in the spiritual got to see what would happen when somebody worshiped the Lord. When we worship the Lord, it brings a change to the atmosphere around us. Anytime we worship truly, and I'm not just talking about singing our favorite songs, it is real worship is full of the presence of God. And so what we see in the scripture is true even for us today. Worship is mighty to free us from depression. If we walk into this place depressed and oppressed, worship is a mighty tool that God has given us. And it doesn't seem like it, but it literally is. Because it takes our minds off of ourselves and puts them on the Lord. And that is the first way that we defeat depression in our lives. Worship is mighty to free us from fear. Because it reminds us that the God that we are singing about, the God that we are making melody about, and the God that we're not just saying these words, but we're giving tunes to, which sinks it deep into us, puts us in an understanding that he's the one that is in control. He is the one that is mighty. He is the one that we are worshiping. He's the one that we can depend on. It's not us that, that we have to depend on to get it done. It's him, and he is in this place. Worship is mighty to free us from oppression. It frees us from oppression. It frees us first from oppressive mindsets. I traveled recently, and it was very interesting to me. I think I'm pretty high in the freedom index, like personal freedom, spiritual freedom, that kind of thing. It, it surprised me how uh, much social guilt I felt about leaving my state. It was weird. In eight months, my freedom index has been shifted by mindsets around me. And it was amazing. As soon as we drove into West Virginia... A bald eagle, I kid you not, flew in front of our car. And I, I turned off the radio and watched him go to the side and land. 
and I sang the national anthem. I kid you not. I just wanted to like enforce my freedom right in that moment. There was something about it that made it real to me. But here's the thing. Freedom, worship brings us freedom from oppression. When we start to sing, the demonic leaves. When we make melody to the Lord, whether we're in this place or in our homes or in our quiet time, the, the enemy must flee. He cannot stay where the presence of God is. And true worship is full of the presence of God. And worship is mighty to establish and to bring healing and closeness and reconciliation in relationships. Why? Because it changes us. It's very hard to truly worship the Lord and stay mad at God or other people. It's very hard to truly worship the Lord and continue in your sin. It's very hard to truly worship the Lord and still go on living. Now, there's lots of people that look like they're worshiping, that pretend they're worshiping, but their hearts have not become aligned with the Lord. But when we truly worship him, when our hearts become aligned with who he is, it is very hard to be at odds with him, and therefore it's also very hard to be at odds with one another. And that's what happens with David and with Saul. Their hearts are connected together. Listen, this isn't something that's just for David or for Saul, but it's for us. One of the three theme scriptures for this series is 2 Corinthians 10, Three through five, it says, we are humans, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God, and we capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Worship is one of these mighty weapons that God has given us. Worship brings us into his presence where we can do battle and we walk with the one who has already one victory. Worship allows us to put our focus on him instead of ourselves and allows us to see his reality and who he is. Worship sets our hearts right with him and often with others. Here's the thing though, as believers, it's not just as we gather together on Sundays that we're called to worship, but worship is for all, the, all, all times. Ephesians chapter 5, 16 and 19 says this, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. There's all kinds of debate about what we should be doing right now as Americans, as Christians, in the world with the pandemic and all the things that are kind of boiling around us. Listen, if you want to know what to do, Scripture says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand his will for your life is what it says. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And what is the result of being filled with the Spirit of God? Remember, the Spirit of God had left Saul but the Spirit of God came with David. What's the result? Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, right, together, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. So how do we engage in this? Because it can't just be something that somebody does for us. We can't continue to live in this place where we're the Saul and someone else is our David, right? Sometimes we come into our homes, I don't know about you, but you come into, into your house and you want your spouse like you had a horrible day and you, you just, like you're waiting for your spouse to make it right, right? Like say something nice to me and you walk into maybe not the best environment, right? And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You need to, you're, you're supposed to be David to my Saul right now and your spouse is saying, yo, you're supposed to be David to my Saul right now. I've been having tormenting spirits all day at work or I've had tormenting children all day in the home or whatever it is. You're tormented and we're waiting for somebody else to do this. But here's the thing. We are all called as believers in Jesus Christ to engage in this personally. And a classic verse that talks about this is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. We must become 
actually and physically involved in worship to the Lord, giving him a sacrifice of worship and a sacrifice of praise. Listen, here's the result. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Did you notice that in both of these verses in Ephesians and in Romans, it talks about knowing and understanding God's will for our lives? God's will for our lives is that we become mighty in our worship of him. Listen, David was not the only lowly shepherd to be called to worship. Right? David was called in just a shepherd boy. He was called to worship. It made a difference for a king. David was called as a, as a lowly shepherd boy, and it made a difference for a nation. We are called to be personally involved in this, but here's what I want you to know. Your calling, no matter where you come from, as you worship the Lord, has powerful effects in the earth. God is continually and always taking the things that are weak, the things that are lowly, the things that are despised, and he's bringing them to use for his kingdom. That's how God uses the mighty. He doesn't, you know, sometimes we think, hey, if this person got saved or this athlete or this powerful person was walking with the Lord, it would be great. No, God is looking for people like you and me without a lot of seeming significance, without a lot of seeming influence or might. And he wants to put us into places where we have influence, not because of our talents, not because of our gifts, not because we're good looking and smell good. I mean, David was good looking, but that's kind of beside the point. But because God wants to see his mighty kingdom worked out in the world. And he did it with some other shepherds. We all know the story. It's in Luke. Shepherds are sitting out in their fields, just doing their thing. Middle of the night, outcast, maybe cold, I don't know. I mean, pe- people preach whole sermons about this. But all of a sudden, angels come to them and say, hey, listen, God is up to something. Right now, in the city of David, Savior is born. And he gives them the message. The angels give them the message. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 15, it says, When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Verse 20, Then the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Listen, each one of us in this place has had an opportunity to truly experience the presence of God. We've been given a message, the gospel, that there's a savior and his name is Jesus Christ. And it's just as true today as it was 2,000 years ago when the angels told it to the shepherds and they heard it for the first time. So what's our response? We have record of, of, we don't know these guys' names, but we know what they did. What if the world never has a record of our names, but they know what we did? Because we were so full of worship and so full of praise that it changed a family. Or it changed a church. Or it changed a region. change the nation. I believe that the people of God full of the spirit of God and full of worship are world changers. God has not called you to live in obscurity. He's called you to use what is a seemingly weak vessel with a seemingly weak thing like a song 
to change the world. Your world first, but then the world around you by the power of the Spirit of God. If you want to be a worshiper like never before, you want to engage in the mighty, you want to see the enemy flee from every situation where you may be overwhelmed or others are as well, would you just stand with me? I want to pray for us as we get ready to go. God, we delight in your flip of the script. We delight that that you take those things that are seemingly unmighty and you make them mighty. You take people that are seemingly unmighty and you show your strength through them. God, we pray that you would make us a people that are full of worship. Whether it's skilled in instruments or just melody in our hearts, or singing amongst ourselves, God, that we would be full of your praise. We would be full of your glory. We would be full, not of every other tune, but the tune of heaven. Father, I pray that you'd remind us of the powerful weapon that we have, which is worship. And remind us that that weapon is powerful because it brings us into your presence and it declares your word over every circumstance. So God, this morning as we stand before you, Anoint us, we pray, by your spirit, like you did, David, to worship you truly and from our hearts, in spirit and in truth, that your kingdom may be built. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to say God bless you as you go. If you want to give, there's opportunity to do that contact free in the back or by our apps.